0: Hey welcome everyone to episode 68 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and I just want to say thank you for checking us out. If you like what we're doing here, don't forget to share, subscribe, and all those things. Um, we're going to bring back some guests that we had in the past. We spoke, oh, it has to be over 60 episodes ago, about a game called Cosmotrons, uh, one of the other Indie Arcade guys. And I've got Shane and Dave with me this week to chat more about their game, plans for the future, uh, new ways for you to purchase the game, and or get it into an arcade next to you. Um, so I guess I'll introduce them now. How are you guys doing? Hey
1: everybody, doing great. Doing great. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, I'm excited to actually like really dive into the game this time. Cause I don't know how I spaced on that last time, but we didn't talk that much about the game. So we'll jump into all that today. Um, I just want to real quick before we start, we do have the new indie arcade wave hats. If you're interested in one, just DM me on Instagram. We're getting uh, hoodies and t-shirts soon too. So if you want to rock that, just let me know. Um, I guess first off, we'll just jump into you guys. Like go ahead, introduce yourselves, um, let us know more about Shane and Dave. So hey everybody, my name is
2: Shane, uh Shane Goop Road. And so Dave, Dave, uh both Dave and I are from Wisconsin, <clears throat> been buddies for a while. And my main profession is a, I'm a teacher and my main like I teach kind of like engineering design kind of stuff, so I don't necessarily have a background in this kind of stuff. Um or like, let's say a college degree in that, <clears throat> teach a game design class. And my main role is kind of like the game design, cabinet design of Cosmotrons.
1: And hey, everybody, I'm Dave Furr. Um I do the programming for Cosmotrons. Um, I do have a professional background in uh, development professionally. I do a lot of Java.net, a um, little bit of front end stuff. So that's kind of where my expertise comes in. This was the first game I've ever made. Um, So it was a learning experience from the beginning. And um, as Shane said, you know, just lifelong gamers and wanted to make uh, something cool.
0: Awesome. Well, now that we know a little bit about you guys, I want to just jump into Cosmetrons. Like, let us know about Cosmetrons. Go as deep into this as you want. Kind of let us know the origin story and kind of where you are today with it. Sure. So (laughs) origin story kind of around 2016,
2: well, the fall of 2016 is when we, when we first made the first prototype and it it kind of started out as just like an idea. Um, We both had a drive and an interest to make a game. And I wanted a game that I could use like in my house, in my own arcade collection. And so I had some, how do you say drive to either create my own game or my own arcade cabinet. And I was like, well, um, wouldn't it be kind of cool if we could actually do both. So we got to the point made like a rough prototype and then and then uh had Dave check it out needed his assistance kind of to push it further and then we decided to kind of take it on as as a group project or for the two of us and it just kept the scope kept <laughs> increasing as time went on uh the first time we showed it publicly was 2017 in April at Midwest Gaming Classic and at that point it was intended to be it grew from just it was going to be a, a crappy little two to four player game for my house to something that then we thought, well, maybe we can release this on steam. And then with the interest that we, we got there it's like, well, should we release this as an arcade product? Because there's, there's many people asking us to essentially buy it as an arcade product.
0: Yeah. So how did you get involved with this, Dave? Like Shane kind of told us like the idea of how he started the idea and whatnot, but where did you jump into this?
1: um so it was right in that 2016 fall time frame as shane mentioned you know he kind of had a rough prototype i think there was two players uh a single map when you started the game it was you were just in the map you were playing you started falling your ship started falling so you better start giving it gas right (laughs) Otherwise, you're gonna die and he started asking me a lot of these questions which i thought he was asking for help on how you know he would move forward with this uh game and Uh, I tell this story uh, I've told it before (laughs) I said I I was kind of explaining things and I I caught myself kind of going along for a while explaining how I would do all this stuff and I kind of stopped and looked at Shane and he's looking at me like glassy-eyed and I'm like oh you don't you're not following all the things I'm saying and um, I think that was the point where I realized that I was going to get involved with (laughs) Cosmotrons and start doing (laughs) some programming Um, so kind of a funny story and then and then really from there you know Um, I kind of took over the programming and Shane really took on the role of, you know, really doing a design of a lot of the sprites and the maps. And, um, and then I guess we both really worked together, uh, as a team, we, we bounced a lot of ideas off each other and, and we prototyped a lot of different things within the game and tried a lot of different things throughout the development of Cosmotrons to see what worked and what didn't work, um. <clears throat> or you know what was like okay we think this is this is all right but it needs to be refined further right uh, it, to make it actually work um, well in the game um, so that's kind of the story
0: gotcha yeah so let's let's talk a little bit about what mgc was like this year for you I know um, before we jump into gameplay I want to kind of just cover this because I unfortunately wasn't able to make it and I really wanted to go and win one of your guys's new setups. Uh, cause that, that glass on that computer is sick. So let's talk about kind of what MGC was like for you guys this year, as well as like, what is this new option that you guys have to purchase the game?
1: Uh, do you want me to take part of that, Shane? I mean, you know, yeah, I, and, and, and I, we missed you too, Joe. I was talking to your, uh, comrades <laughs> there and I know you had a, a personal thing. Yep. Um, totally understandable. Wish you could have been there. Um, I mean, first of all, it was just it was great to be back, you know, actually in person, seeing people and, and getting to play some games. Um, we had a great turnout from uh, some of our fans locally that came in and helped us out, kind of our, some super fans. Um, so that was really awesome to have that support and the folks there helping us. Um, and of course, you know, we were able to run a tournament there and we gave away uh, pretty close to three thousand dollars worth of merchandise in, in the first for the top four people in that tournament. Um, So that was of course an awesome experience and we were able to do the uh, final four played their match uh, on the main stage at the, uh, at MGC. So that was also a a pretty awesome experience. Um, Shane, do you want to take away the new options uh, for home slash arcade? So since, since we started uh, developing Cosmotrons
2: and kind of, announcing it as arcade product and people starting to see it more. We've had people like for years now reaching out to us saying like, Hey, I I can't afford a cabinet or I don't have space for a cabinet, but I want to buy Cosmetrons. What's another way I can do this. Can I build my own cabinet? Can you just sell us the software? So that's actually what we're offering now. We're kind of moving away a little bit from the building of cabinets. I I guess I won't say that we'll never build cabinets again, but we're kind of leaning towards that. Um, so now we're selling two different products, which with a much nicer entry point. We're selling what we call the Cosmotron's hard drive, and that's just basically the Cosmotron software installed on a solid-state hard drive, and that we're selling right now for $499. So a much much lower entry point, and something that then people could really kind of build whatever they want around that, whether that be their own their own arcade cabinet with buttons or if they want to do something like just like something at home with the controllers, game pads. And then of course, still like operators, operators can put this in a cabinet. Let's say that they, they still have and they could use it for their business. And like, so I think that's a pretty fair price for the software, um, especially for the, the coin op people to still be able to buy that. And then our second product that we offer now, we're calling the Cosmotron's console. And that's the computer that you saw that we, we gave one of those, we, we gave one of those away at, Midwest Gaming Classic, that's what the winner got, and we sell that for $1,500, and that's a complete Cosmotron's computer, just kind of like plug and play, it uh, it has, you know, like all the computer components in it, Um, basically just connect it to a display, and with whatever control style you want, and it's good to go. So those are the kind of the two new big products we're offering, which we announced or kind of released at MGC.
0: Yeah, I really, I really like that as an option. I mean, we've spoken with a few arcade indie guys that have talked about like maybe doing that kind of thing. And I know um, the one I'm really thinking of is Griffin Aerotech. Um, what they make? They made Sky Cursor, and you can actually purchase like their their plug and play Jamma board, so you can put it into any other arcade cabinet, which I think is a really good idea. And it, it like you said, it makes it super accessible for coin operators. You can kind of put whatever you want around it. Um, things like that. So now that we've talked kind of like where the game came from and the options to get it now, let's talk about the game. So first off, what were the inspirations for this game? And I know that there were a handful of them. I've talked to you about this before. Um, Just kind of tell me how you melted all of those together into one.
2: Melted is a good term because there's just a a crazy amount of games that I think kind of inspired Dave and I, obviously there's, the old school Atari and other arcade classic vector type space shooter games, asteroids. That that feeling of like floating and the button control. Lots of inspiration from that. Um, Gravitar is another Atari. That's a color vector game. That that one actually has gravity. And then there's little pieces from here and there from all kinds of other games. I'd say a big core inspiration from from my vision was how Street Fighter 2 feels. Like, when I think about Street Fighter 2, you're battling a friend, and just, it almost seems like anything can happen, anyone can win. you got the different characters that feel different. That's, like, the feeling of that was was definitely something that I envisioned. Um, another aspect was, like, and Dave can mention more about, like, the couch co-op type thing. Um, even, like, little chunks, like Mega Man. I'm a big Mega Man fan, so we, ha- we have a a special charge shot called the the Cosmo Buster, which is just like the Mega Buster in Mega Man, where you hold the shoot button, actually hold it for a couple seconds, and it shoots like a big burst. Inspirations from Battlefield 2, even. Dave and I, we were probably addicted to (laughs) Battlefield 2 when we played it back in the day together, you know, like on the clan, we're in the clan together kind of thing. Um, But like the flags from Battlefield 2, it helped inspire... Our team mode so and i'll let dave kind of add some more here
1: yeah i mean i guess i I feel like you touched on a lot of the like major inspirations that we kind of maybe pulled ideas from i think you know the big thing for me was really um i I just really had this nostalgia i guess for that couch co-op multiplayer that i wanted to recreate i felt like there was limited amount of that experience that i was seeing right and um, I just thought it was a really cool idea to take a game and, and recreate something like that. I kind of remember, you know, and I'm dating myself here, of course. Uh, but, um, you know, I remember my high school and maybe it was even middle school days playing like Twisted Metal and Twisted Metal 2 and, you know, staying up all night yelling at your friends and talking trash and, you know, having a good time. And, and that was, to me, a, a major inspiration. Um, and then and another part for me, I think, that was really important about the gameplay is just the balance, right? I think Shane and I have spent probably a, a ridiculous amount of time in Cosmotrons making sure that everything felt balanced and that no particular ship or ship and special combination felt particularly overpowered, that they all kind of felt like, sure, used in a particular situation, they might be more powerful. But if used correctly and you know strategically, any ship can really hang... and and hold its own. Right. Uh, So to me, those kinds of things were, I guess the inspiration and, and part of what was really important to me when creating and working through the gameplay in Cosmotrons.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can definitely see a lot of those inspirations. The Mega Man thing is new to me. I didn't know about that. Um, I have used that charge shot though, which is pretty fun, kind of hard to aim, but I didn't play that ship too much. I kept crashing into stuff. So I had to play (laughs) ship. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think you guys are so right with like the balancing and the couch co-op, like the shoulder to shoulder camaraderie between friends, the trash talk. It's it's so lost in a lot of the online games now where it's just like random people talking trash. And it's like it's not fun. It's not funny anymore. It's just annoying. Um, But you guys are so right with like the idea of like bringing people together to play. And I guess we'll we'll focus more on like the arcade cabinets because I know you have more of those out right now and you kind of just got into this new option. Let's talk gameplay. So you put quarters in, you hit the button, you get started. What is that process like? And then what can you expect when playing the game?
2: So we actually have we have four different modes in the game. This is where I was, was kind of saying like our scope increased. <laughs> um, we have a single player mode. We have the versus battle. The versus battle, of course, is kind of the... the the general most popular one, which we'll dive more into, I think. We have a team mode and then a be the boss mode, which is kind of like an asymmetrical mode. So you put your coin in, you choose what mode you want to play. Let's just say versus mode. And then you need some people to play with you. Let's say you got four people. And then a big part of the game is you choose your your space. You choose your spaceship. So we got the different spaceships and it's on like a carousel. And you start with the noob. The noob is the easiest to me. It's I don't know. It's the yuckiest. It just doesn't feel good because it it's to help those new players that just struggle with the float mechanic and the gravity. And then it's beyond the easiest
0: that, ship to fly without running into walls. Exactly. That's the one I always pick.
2: And yep. it has a shield. But I think you could. I think you could handle this. The ship above that, Joe.
0: <laughs> with so a little I practice, certainly.
2: We have seven ships, and like I was saying, that's like. That kind of is how you adjust your per your skill level. So if you're high skilled, you might take the Jalopy. The Jalopy, I'd say, is the hardest ship. That ship is a broken down ship with a crack in it. That it only has one thruster, so it flies crooked. And then, but because it only has one thruster, it has more fuel efficiency. So it's kind of like stuff like that. And then you choose you choose your spaceship. You choose your special charge shot. Right now we have three of them. And then uh, after that, then you're kind of in this like box practicing until you wait for other people to uh, choose their stuff. And then Dave, you want to go from there?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, once that practice round is over, everybody's joined in, they've picked all their options. Um, You know, from there you go into kind of, there's some transition screens that try to explain, you know, what the objectives are. They show you what map you're going into. Here's kind of the objectives. You, You kill other people, you do whatever you pick up fuel depending on the game mode. Um, and then from there you get put into a map and, uh, your ship spawn in and and then depending on the game mode, right. You're either doing like a free for all, or, um, as Shane mentioned, there's a team mode or the boss mode is, um, there's kind of one ship that's like bigger and overpowered and can take more than one hit per life. And the other three players at the, at the game are trying to take out that boss. Um, and then, of course, single player is kind of like a. There's targets to shoot, and then there's targets that you pick up, and basically you have to shoot and pick up all the targets on the map, and it's a race to see how fast you can do it. And then it um, the the machine saves your high scores, so whatever your best uh, you know time is on that map would get saved into the high score list from there. So and then, of course, in you know going back to the versus mode, I guess the the next part is you know. Depending on the machine settings, um, you, could, you could be playing like best of three essentially. So it's waiting for one of the four players to get two wins. Um, and then it rotates maps. So a player gets a win, goes to the next map. If a different player, then the first one gets a win. Then you go to another map and you can keep going until somebody gets two wins.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, you got tons of options, plenty of games to play, uh, plenty of ships to choose from, power ups. It's, it's, very versatile and you can really customize your own playstyle. Like it, it gives you an option as opposed to a lot of other games, uh, which is something that I love and something that we incorporated into Galactic Battleground too. So you can pick your power up and really like get comfortable with that power up. Yeah. big
2: yep. um, thing too is like, it's so content it's, I feel like we almost have an excessive for an arcade game, excessive amount of content. And that's where I was saying, we were originally intending this to be a steam game, right? When first we're going, so that's where partially why there's so much content and the different modes. And like, for example, another thing is like maps. We have over, easily over 20 maps at this point. And those maps kind of range in difficulty and and the maps are um, interactive as well. There's certain aspects of the map, like Death Valley has clouds that move and then they shoot lightning every once in a while, like randomly. Um, There's other maps. There's a volcano map that shoots a, that lava comes out of the volcano. So there's a lot of different um, aspects like that too.
1: Yep. Cave maps that drop stalactites randomly. There's lava burps, which is more of like lava rocks getting shot out of a volcano or lava, you know, pieces getting shot out. Um, There's all kinds of things like that, right, that are make the maps a little bit dynamic. And then there's also a few maps as well that uh, is there how many there's one or two maps that have different gravity. I think we've we've played around. We had some other ones. I think we may have removed them. So I think the only map left in the actual game right now is the the gravity gets turned upside down. Like the whole map is essentially flipped around. So instead of falling down, you fall up if you're staring at the screen, right? So um, obviously one of the more advanced maps. Um, Some people love it. Some people really struggle with it, of course. (laughs) So it's one of those things where that's also something built into the machine for operators. Um, There's a lot of settings where they can kind of uh, set up what their player base at that particular location is going to like, and adjust things within the settings to help players, whether they're newer or a little more advanced. So we also have a lot of settings around that, as well as like a tournament mode where it kind of puts it to what we think the settings should be for um, competitive play, I guess you'd say. Um, So that's also an, an option, both in the operator menus and, Uh, anybody who walks up to the machine if they press the right buttons can get into that tournament mode if they it's kind of like all four players have to agree to it type of thing
0: got it yeah i mean that that sounds really nice for both the player base the arcade owner the operator whoever's running the machine to like really have that flexibility with the cabinet um i guess my next question is going to be kind of for both of you but i guess focused more towards dave um what are some of the things that you encountered i know dave you've been coding for a while so this isn't like your first rodeo obviously like some people that are just learning how to make games um just kind of give me the rundown of like some pitfalls you hit while working on the game um things to avoid for new developers advice for developers things like that
1: um man you know i feel like a lot of the pitfalls that we ran into were um being being new to game development there was uh there was a, there's certainly a learning curve, even though, again, I've been programming for a long time. I think I've been in the industry for over 20 years, um, you know, since around 2002. So um, obviously, like you said, programming and syntax is not new to me. I had a pretty good idea of how to do programming things. Right. But there's certain things in game development that are completely different. Right. So I think maybe um, some of that stuff, really caught me a little bit um especially when it comes to like certain performance things that i ended up kind of having to go back and fix throughout the game and kind of revamp and refactor some of the code in order to fix some of those performance things um so i think maybe you know i think in, in a lot of people i talk to some of that stuff is fairly like Yeah, if you, you know, it's kind of game development 101. You kind of, if you you were to kind of look into some of that stuff before you started, you'd know what to do ahead of time. Um, Another one of the issues that we're actually dealing with right now is um, input and controls. And I think really settling on either like uh, getting that all figured out right up front, knowing that your controller, whatever controls you want to use uh, in your game, getting that kind of figured out up front before you start, you know, putting that code everywhere or whatever um or some library right so depending on the game engine you're using um it, there might be already be some kind of built-in support or library that you could use instead right that is going to solve a lot of those problems for you so
2: i'd say kind of so problem kind of stuff uh, i mean i i can dive into more about like game design type problems if we want to get into that at some
0: point but you can do that I right this, now if you want to
2: uh, one thing I want to touch I de- we could definitely do that. One one thing I want to touch base on is I think the scope. I think if Dave and I had a time machine, we might consider just if we had to, if we could do this all over, we'd probably just focus on just the versus mode and I think that would like man, that would totally simplify so much if we would have just narrowed our scope a little bit to focusing just on that and then added in let's say some AI so the single player Instead of our current single player mode, then the single player is with let's say bots in the versus mode or something. But it, we ran into so many problems with our player select screen because the player has more options than like a lot of arcade games. You, you can kind of select a lot of stuff. You can select your mode, select your ship, select your. At one point, you could select your color, um, yeah. select your charge shot, select your map. It's and kind of managing all that. So Dave, Dave did a really nice job problem solving and managing all that because like, man, if you had to draw, like, I'm just trying to think, you know, like with my non-programming brain drawing a flow chart of how all that connects and everything, it just is very complex. And how this piece of code here affects that pro or that um, mode over there. It's, we ran into so many problems with all
1: that. Yeah. You know, I think that to me, the piece of advice in there might be um, while I, I mean, we've we've gotten uh, over the years uh, an insane amount of awesome feedback and, and things that we've taken and incorporated into the game and I'm, I guarantee it made it better. I think we also, you maybe need to just also keep in mind you're never going to please everybody, right? So I think some of the, oh, let's make a single player, let's make a boss mode, let's make it this mode, right? Some of that may have come out of maybe our desire to have a bunch of different things, but also maybe trying to please like everybody, right? Instead of... Like you say, maybe just focus on a, on the versus mode and make sure that that is easy for the arcade user, right? Because especially for the arcade, you really want to come up, hit a button, and you're almost getting into the game, right? There there shouldn't be a menus and all that stuff. And we have all that, right? So it makes it complicated. And a lot of people, you can see newer people come up to the machine and just be a little confused. And most of the time, they work their way through it just fine. It's It's pretty rare that people don't understand it or get through it. But you can see that they are a little confused, and that's not the greatest, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, the advice that I've heard time and time again from people in the arcade scene, arcade owners, things like that, they just say, make it as simple as possible to get in the game. Like, just walk up, hit a button. Um, And we've dealt with the UI. I think we're on, like, our ninth or tenth iteration with GBG. Like, we just keep changing it, keep changing it and it feels like it's never perfect. It, it probably yeah. never is going to be perfect obviously. Yeah. Um but I think you guys do something unique with the with the arcade scene is like like you said you have a lot of options, you know, for people that want to like really dive into your game. It has way more content than normal and that's that's something that I think we did too cuz we we were in the same boat. We wanted to do Steam first. You know, we didn't think of the arcade cabinet until the game was pretty much done. So um yeah, I, I think that's really good advice to developers and everything. And I know, Shane, you want to talk more on, like, the game development side. Um, I would love to hear about that because, I mean, that's, that's like, the from scratch to, like, getting it to the point where code matters, you know. So give me give me some advice there and some some things you ran into.
2: Well, um, game, like, and that's what I was kind of telling you, Joe, like, I kind of geek out about game design stuff like I feel like I'm a nerd about just analyzing certain decisions being made in the design of a game for example in another a different game would be like Mario Kart like the blue shell like the blue shell in those Mario Kart games is terrible like well why is it terrible you know in terms of hitting the player in first place I I like I don't know I like thinking about that kind of stuff so to kind of think about I don't know if this is exactly on point with what you're asking there but I was thinking like one thing we ended up putting in the game was the humans So, design as a a game designer, you got four players playing. And let's say one person, it's their first time playing. Maybe they're not super skilled in games and they get out quick because they're just less skilled. They they die fast. So now they're just watching three other people kind of fly around and play. And that's kind of frustrating to just, well, I'm out of the game. I can just walk away. And they're not interacting with each other anymore. So we tried to solve, okay, like, well, what can that player do? What's something fun they can do? So we implemented the idea of humans. I, I can't remember all the ideas that we generated, but we ended up going with when you're play, when your spaceship crashes or or you die, a little human falls from your, your spacecraft, and that human then stays on the, the land. Now, as, if you're still in the game, you can pick up those humans, and by picking up those humans, that gives you some added bonuses, which we can dive into. But that, again, another thing about game design is like the um, risk versus reward aspect of that. But your very last life, you drop a human that then has a gun and then they have a little crosshair and that human can then still shoot and impact the level. One of our again, so as design idea kind of brain, one of the things that we actually wrote as one of our constraints is our game had to make people yell and celebrate and kind of like, oh, crap moment kind of thing. And that's one of those oh crap moments when you got this little you're out of the game and you are your little human falls and you got that crosshair and then your friends are still battling and let's say you think this one friend's gonna win but you with your little human bullet your slow bullet pew it shoots and it hits somebody that you thought was gonna win and they crash and they lose that's one of those oh crazy moments where maybe just yelling and screaming because you just the lower skilled person just impacted the outcome of the game and that to me is. Um, that's fun that's fun to try and keep you got a social game like that with four people to try and keep people going and like I
0: said to get people kind of yelling and screaming yeah I do really really like that adaptation I I don't think it was in there the first time I played the game at MGC but the second time I did or maybe it was at Bumble Bash when I played but I was like wait I'm still in like that was such a cool feature to see and then I shot down Dylan's ship so I was super happy about that (laughs) um (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like, what what else did you notice in the game design point, Dave, that you were like, this is a problem that we have, like, we need to fix this. And here's a way we can fix it.
1: Oh, you know, I don't know that I can think of another one of those, like with, with the gameplay itself, I think really, for us, Ed, like you said, we ran into, we ran into a lot of issues with the menu and iterated on that quite a lot. And I think... I, I jokingly say, I think we spent more time working on the menus than anything else in the game. Um, I don't know if that's actually true, but it sure feels like it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of if there was anything else. I don't know, Shane, can you think of anything else that there was like kind of an issue that we have had to come up with a solution for? Maybe the noob ship, right? The noob ship yeah. was not something we had in the game yep. um, initially, right? And people were struggling with the difficulty. And the noob ship was like, well, let's put a ship in that's easier to fly, right? And how do we put that in? And then like going back to what I was talking about before, right? How do we balance it? How do we make this ship that is really easy to fly, but isn't going to just destroy everybody because they don't have to focus so much on the flying aspect of the game, right? So um spent a lot of time, of course, balancing that out. But really that the whole implementation of the noob ship was uh trying to make the um the entry level easier for folks, because I guess that's another thing about the game that I maybe didn't touch on earlier is, you know, we, we really wanted this game to be something that was easy enough to get into, but has like a very high skill cap, right? That, that with practice and time, you can really continue to get better at the game. And there's all these little nuances to it that can make you get better and better at the game. Um, So that was always really important to us, too, and part of our, I guess, mission statement when it came to what we wanted Cosmotrons to be.
0: Yeah, I I like that. I I didn't know that the noob ship was added later on. Was that like before you guys brought it out to MGC or was that after?
2: MGC 2017, we did not have the noob ship. I think we only had two ships. We had the fighter. The fighter was our kind of our core basic ship. And then we created something we called the Trainer, which eventually the name changed to Recruit. <laughs> I don't remember exactly when we added the Noob. It was before our tour, though, so before our arcade tour, summer of two
0: thousand seventeen. That was bef- did- that was like going to California Extreme, right?
1: Yep.
2: Yes. Okay. And before Combo Breaker, we had the Noob ship because I remember Brian Colon that created Rampage. It was so great to meet him, and and he came over to Combo Breaker in Illinois. And he tried our game and gave us a whole bunch of feedback. One of the feedbacks, one of the things he gave us that I remember, because the noob ship has a shield on it. So when you're in the you're flying that noob ship and you crash into the into like the terrain, that shield then goes away. And how we had it was that shield goes away forever. So on the next person that the next time that that person crashes, the ship would would blow up. But um, Brian Colin suggested that the shield regenerate, which was which was a neat idea because that, that did help our newbie players quite a bit.
1: That was one of the things. So talking with Brian, the, the, I think the one of the things that really stuck with me, the pieces of advice that he gave us was to make sure that everything that's happening to the player feels like it was their choice, right? Don't don't do things to the player that they feel like they didn't have a choice or control over. So, I thought that was a really interesting piece of advice and that. I don't know. That's kind of stuck with me ever since. And it's something I think about every time that we're contemplating changes or how to do something in, from a game design standpoint. Um, you know, obviously game design isn't necessarily my thing, but I I do have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I'll say that.
2: I, I know, like, that's, this is making me, this is, I'm sorry, Joel, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, that's really good advice. I mean, to think of really any game you play, like, I mean, I was just thinking, like, I was just playing the new Halo beta, and, I mean, you're right. With the gener- regenerating shield, it's like, you have the choice either keep going, even though you know you are very likely going to die, or you can make the choice to back up and recharge and then go back to fight.
1: Yeah, exactly. Everything should feel under your control. Like, you could have done something about it, even if, maybe in that scenario, you made the wrong choice, right? You weren't right. forced to to be at a, at a disadvantage or something, right? Right. So... Yeah, interesting. I, like I said, that was a piece that really stuck with me. So I, hopefully other people enjoy that too.
2: One thing I, I think people might not realize about our game until maybe this is stated so explicitly is that our game is not its not a game about shooting and destroying the other player. It's almost more of a game about the flight. The players that can control their spaceships better, more accurately, more precise, not crashing to the ground, those players... Tend to do better, so the the more skilled uh, players, and the that's where with the designing and the feel, we wanted that to just flying the ship around itself. That should be fun. You could just play. You could just do that. Not even shoot each other. Just fly through stuff and fly through the terrains. Um, that in itself should be fun. Related to that, then if you have an arcade game, it's like okay, well, how do we motivate? players to move besides avoiding each other besides just avoiding each other because they're going to shoot each other how do you motivate players to move well different motivations and our core motivation is fuel so that is a core part of our game because if we didn't have fuel if the game didn't have fuel and so it's hilarious because so many people have complained to us about fuel oh why do you guys gonna have fuel in the game this this or that or whatever just let me fly around because if we didn't have fuel then people could just camp in the lower like let's say a a corner of the map and they could just tap thrust and camp in the corner and not even interact with the battling. So that fuel causes them to have to move throughout the maps and flow and get, and those higher skilled players are going to, are going to get more fuel naturally and it's risky to get that fuel. So there's some risk versus reward there. And again, so this is where I kind of geek out about stuff. Um, the way that we originally had it, let's say a map, would have five fuel cans that they initially spawn with the map and they don't regenerate. So you could, as soon as that map shows up and you know where the fuel is going to be, those skilled players just go up and they could grab all the fuel, five fuel cans, boom, 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 grab like almost all of them. And now they have like too much of an advantage. And the rest of the level, it just maybe didn't feel good because that one person, let's say had 10,000 fuel and the other person maybe had 2000 fuel and it, it just, felt way too lopsided. It didn't feel good. So then we, we kind of thought through, okay, well, what do we do here? And after three more kind of iterations and play testing, we, um, we made two fuel cans, a maximum of two fuel cans spawn on a map at a time and at random locations. So they're objects that kind of spawn at, at random selected uh, locations, two at most at a time. And then there's a delay. If you grab one, there's I don't remember what the seconds are, but it, it there's a delay. And as the game pre, keeps progressing, now, again, this is where we, the, the depth here with playtesting. So there's always two, no matter how long the level is going. There's always two fuels. If you have two really good jalopy pilots, they can keep that level going pretty long because there's always two fuels. They can kind of, they're not burning it very quickly. The game is set up because it's an arcade game. You have to have, players have to lose or the game has to end at some point. But if those two jalopy pilots could keep getting fuel, they could make the game last forever, thus that they're playing a long time on a quarter. And this kind of happened at one of our tournaments. The two jalopy players, they kept getting fuel, getting fuel, getting fuel, extending the game. It kind of almost made it anticlimactic. You figure you got a whole bunch of people standing around watching this. And they're not really, let's say, shooting or or going aggressive. They're just kind of managing their fuel. So the change then that we made is after – a level has been being played for 60 seconds. Then it drops down to one fuel. Now only one fuel responds. And then now because there's only one fuel, now you, that causes the, the players to have to go towards each other to try and get that one fuel. So now you're, at, you're towards the end of the level and you're creating some dramatic moments, some more of those yelling, screaming moments where somebody's life really depends on getting that fuel or both their lives really depend on getting that fuel. But that's the kind of stuff again that I, I don't know I get excited about that and and again the amount of hours that we've watched people play test and played with people it's just it's I don't know it's insane.
0: Yeah, I I love that that point that iteration in the game I mean you basically force them to fight. Like either you're both going to run out of fuel and you're both going to lose or someone's going to go get it and it it really puts more contention to the game and you again you give them a choice you have a choice either you play it safe and try and get the kill or you go for that fuel and maybe you die going for it and who knows what's going to happen. Um, but it does really, it does create some kind of climactic moments there. Um, I guess that's kind of the majority of what I wanted to talk to you guys about. Let's, let's just, uh, hear final thoughts from you guys and get social media so that people can check you out.
2: Final thoughts. What do you mean by final thoughts? What do you want?
0: <laughs> just just anything you want to say about the game, like anything that you felt like you didn't touch on and you just kind of wanted to let the audience know about.
2: I, I think for me personally, what I my final thoughts, I, I think I want to say this to spidering game makers. I think I um, wanna to touch base on that. And the my advice to those of you that have interest in making a game is just do it like you, you gotta get out. Make something, do a game jam, make some kind of crappy game, just whatever. Your first game is probably not going to be great. That's okay. Make, but you're going to keep getting better. Make something, just make something. Get those basic skills and then keep going. Find some people to play around and make games with because there's just so many ideas and information that you can pass among each other. And then my big advice, once you kind of do that for a little while or um, is make sure to read books about game design and really there's just so much to it. Um, to dive in and like game design theory and think about what, what actually makes fun a game fun. And that's where a a couple books that I really recommend um, a theory of fun. That's a amazing book. That's a really good, quick read, a theory of fun. Awesome book. And then, Oh man, I'm trying to remember the other one. It was like a big textbook. I don't know. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the the point being, listen to J GDC on YouTube Listen to other game makers, read some books, and and just make something. And what I've learned from Cosmotrons is go simple. Like, if you can go simple, um, yeah, I don't know. And it's it's enriching. That's one thing I'd say is that I've learned so much from this experience. Not only just about game design, but you know, not just about business, but um, I've learned that I that I can can do this. We can create something and. Um, we've sold 50 cabinets and for, for us, our original intention for this game to just be a crappy little game that was going to be in my house to then a business where we sold 50 cabinets that ranged from five grand to seven grand. Like we exceeded our expectations definitely didn't in that respect. And um, I wish of course we could, have we could sell way more than that, but I think we exceeded those expectations. So this kind of all boils down to everybody get out there and, and make something. Yeah, that's more fun, and it's more valuable than just kind of sitting around watching TV or something or watching Netflix. It's
0: <laughs> good advice.
1: So I guess you know, adding on to that and something I, I guess I wish I would have thought of this when you were asked telling people uh, or asking me to give people advice about development, but I guess this kind of feeds into that is start small. It's like Shane said, iterate on it, right? Get get your core. I feel like that was one of the things we did really well is we got our core game, right? You have two ships, you're on a map, you have gravity, you're flying around shooting each other. Make sure that whatever that is, that core concept of your game, that it works, right? And if it doesn't, then you can start over. That didn't. That probably doesn't take you very long, right? You don't need fancy graphics or all this stuff. You can do all that later. You can add all the screen shake and the particle effects and all the cool stuff later that makes the game fun, right? But you, we knew right away just that very simple prototype that, I mean, I don't want to downplay the work the chain did, but it really ultimately in the grand scheme of things didn't take a ton of time, right? You can get to that and start iterating on it. And then you just, you just add slowly and build to it. Right. Um, Personally, I think that that is a really great way to do it. And we've done it now with some other things. We've tried some other concepts and, you know, started small and tried things out and seeing if we like it and, Some of them we did, some of them we didn't, right? And that's just how it works. And we did it even within components of the game itself, right? What about this kind of a thing within our game? Is this going to work? Nope, scrap it. Is this going to work? Oh, yeah, cool. That's going to work. Add it in, right? But just start small and iterate on ideas all the way from your game to concepts within your game and see if they work. And if they don't, don't be afraid. to throw it away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, always good advice. I mean, start small figure it out, make sure it works well. And then exactly like you said, like you can polish it later. Like yep. if it doesn't function, polish means nothing. Like yeah. it, it's, it's irrelevant. Um, I guess just social media shout outs. Where, where can people find you guys?
2: So our Facebook site is Cosmotrons or so Facebook's slash Cosmotrons game. And then our uh, website, www.cosmotronsgame.com um, on there you'll see links to all our other social media and Instagram and our store. So if somebody listening to this actually wants to buy Cosmetrons for their, their uh, arcade or home or or whatever, there's links on there for our store as well.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to throw all that down in the description. So you guys can check them out. I want to say thank you again, uh, Shane and Dave for coming on here and just kind of chatting about the game. It's been a long time and it's, it's really good to talk to you guys again. Um, I guess if you're still watching, uh, if you liked what we're doing here, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Again, the hats are out. So if you want them, more merch in the future, just DM me on Instagram. And until next time, peace.